Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Well, hello. Happy Monday. Do you know what? As far as Mondays go, I'm feeling very refreshed because we we went to the seaside this weekend to stay with Tommy's parents and we went out for dinner on our own and we even got to lie in until eight in the morning. I don't even remember the last time we got to lie in until eight in the morning. Not because Alf slept till eight. I'm still waiting for that day, but because Tommy's mum had him in her room. So she did the 6am shift. Which, by the way, I, I'm not going to complain about 6am because given a few months ago, every single podcast I did, I was talking about sleep deprivation and 3am start. Six is okay, but I, I will take a lion. So I watched Happy Valley last night and I woke up feeling very refreshed. However, as my due... It's not even my due date, is it? My C-section date. As my C-section date approaches, I'm starting to feel a little bit like wow there is a lot to do and not much time to do it in obviously in my first pregnancy with Alfie it was lockdown so I was always at home and I didn't have a toddler so in my spare time I could do things for myself but I can see from the corner of my eye an empty hospital bag with just loads of stuff next to it I can see loads of baby clothes um, both Alf's old bits and a few new bits we've got again just in piles I don't know when I'm going to have time to do it all but I'm trying to just tell myself it doesn't matter all we need are baby grows <laughs> and that is it if I don't have a chance to get anything else done but I am I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I think it's almost even harder because I've got lots of Alf's old bits to go through as well so I'm obviously trying to be sustainable but then I feel overwhelmed because there's just stuff in sizes from like naught months to 24 months just in piles that I need to sort through. But yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I will get through it if anyone is pregnant with other children and they have tips on how they get through it, then please let me know. Uh, but today I'm really excited because we are definitely going to be talking about um, sustainability because I have a brilliant guest. She adopted her daughter at just eight months old and had a total career change and set up her own sustainable children's footwear brand um, that provides a recycling service for old shoes because let's be honest we know how quickly they get through them I feel like I'm constantly like do these still fit I swear I just bought them um, so please please welcome to the podcast Drew Duthmoll Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Drew, I'd love to talk to you about your journey, obviously with your footwear brand. Before you had your daughter, 
you were not a business owner. So can you talk about what you did beforehand and then um, when you realized that something needed to change when um, you had your daughter? Yeah. So I suppose, uh, you know, when I had my daughter, when she came into our lives in 2017, by then I'd sort of racked up about 10 years of experience in the corporate world. So I was very much sort of going into the city, uh, doing a nine to five, well, uh, nine to nine on some days, really experienced with big brands and big corporates and actually really loving, loving uh, the job. Uh, and there was, you know, lots to learn from, from my time then. But then I had Vivana, you know, in 2017, and I just feel like suddenly my mind, uh, my mind sort of changed, my mindset sh- shifted. Um, and there was lots of things that kind of led up to that. You know, I was starting to look for things to do outside of the corporate world, and I was starting to actually dabble in uh, what you call side hustles at the time. Uh, but then when I did have her and I was starting, trying to juggle corporate life with, uh, with sort of, you know, sending her to nursery and getting back from Canary Wharf, you know, to pick her up and sort of just juggling motherhood, I kind of felt like whilst I am quite ambitious and quite career driven, I did feel like I wanted more from a career than just the corporate rewards. I wanted to feel like I was doing something that made a difference and that would sort of sustain me through that really challenging time of life where you really want questioning whether you're you're doing the right thing. You're constantly feeling guilty about how much time you spend in one space versus another. Uh, And I just felt like if I was going to feel guilty about something, I wanted to do it for a reason and not just uh, to earn a paycheck. So, So yeah, that's kind of what brought on that sort of change can I ask you because there's lots and lots of parents who listen in who um you know are whether it's in the corporate world or just um you know have um jobs where they work for someone and then I feel like nothing can quite prepare you for when you have a child because I don't know if this was your experience but before a baby's here you can be quite pragmatic you can say well I'll get them into nursery and it'll be fine and I'll get back into work and I'll be my old self and then yeah the juggle, as they say, is real. What was your experience of bringing, um, you know, becoming Vivana's mom? And what was your juggle? How did you find a nursery? How did you manage to make it all work? Just for anyone who is listening, who is having to go back to work, who is finding it all very overwhelming. Sure. Um, You know, I had 12 months of maternity leave, so I was really lucky. I had a lot of time to kind of prepare myself for that change. And actually, 12 months is a long period of time. I was actually ready for the change. I was ready to go back to work, uh, you know, meet other people, do more than just the baby Jimbury classes. So I was really looking forward to it. But at the same time, I lived an hour and 15 minutes away from the office uh, I needed to kind of arrange my life uh, in a way that would work for both my daughter and for myself. And so I found a nursery that was close to the station. So I could literally drop her off and catch the train within, you know, two minutes of each other. And even then, you know, I found myself having to drop her off at 7.30 in the morning, drive to the station. I actually leafleted houses around the station so I could find a car parking space and I wouldn't be struggling driving around the car park, you know, trying to find a space at that time of uh, of day. Um, And so I would drop her off run into work, reach my desk at nine o'clock sharp, by which point, you know, a lot of colleagues had already had a head start. And so I was often the last person to be in my desk. Uh, and then I would leave at five o'clock in order to get back in time for that 6.30 p.m. closing time. Uh, and again, feel really guilty about doing that. Coming back, 
being with my daughter for an hour or so, uh, you know, just doing bath time and food and stuff and then putting her to bed and then jumping back on my laptop. And I don't think, you know, whilst parenthood is, is you know, individually so unique uh, as an experience between yourself and your child, the emotions that come with it are not new. And uh, I, I do find it surprising how... Uh, corporates are often surprised by the demands of parenthood and they almost sort of don't recognize it. Um, but it's such a real thing that all of us go through. And um, it was that balancing act that I was really struggling with. And at one point I dropped down to four days a week thinking, oh, that would make a difference. But actually it made things worse because I was doing a five-day job in four days. Uh, and I was also trying to figure out if there was something beyond the corporate world that I could actually start moving into. So I was actually taking on a third job. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, it was, it was actually quite a, quite a struggle. But then I had a supportive spouse. Um, you know, we had a nanny who stepped in for a couple of days in the evenings. So I was lucky that I had a lot of uh, support and infrastructure around me. But that isn't to say that it still didn't come with its own management sort of challenges. Has the nanny picked her up? You know, <laughs> has she got dinner ready at home? All of those sorts of things that you uh, you still need to think about, even if you're not physically present. It's funny that guilt as well, isn't it? So like like you said, even though you were rushing around in the morning, you were the last into the office. So then you feel guilty at work and you start to think, oh, I hope they don't think that I'm not taking it seriously. And then if you're last to pick up at nursery, like I'm always the last one to get Alfie because I'm just rushing there and then I feel guilty that I've made someone wait and yeah it's just guilt 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 exactly parental guilt is just part (laughs) of the job I think I suppose the thing that gets me through it is is the thought that you know when I do spend time with her it is quality time uh you know I kind of outsource what I think of as the boring routine stuff, you know, dinner time, bath time, although that that is quite a bonding experience with your child and it's nice to do that. Uh, I do have help with that when I do need it. And so I kind of tell myself that it's okay to miss a few of those occasions if I can still find time to take her to the park or, you know, arrange a play date or just go to the museum or, or do something that's uh, a bit of an add-on and an extra and that she remembers hopefully more than just mummy fed me pasta last night. <laughs> It's it's good that you openly share that though, because I feel again like a lot of um, mums feel bad for saying that. That like you know, obviously people define different parts mundane and boring, and some people love things. I'm not a chef, and I definitely am like, oh, I've got to cook again. Exactly. What can I make him? So <laughs> it's it's quite nice for me to hear that someone else thinks that that side of it is boring. I say I say to Tommy like all the adulting bits of motherhood, I find quite boring yes whereas all the fun bits I really enjoy exactly and I try and do as much of that and I try and uh, let someone else take on the rest (laughs) so what was the moment that you decided to quit your corporate job was it like a right that's it I'm quitting or did you have what you referred to as a side hustle that then came into something or what was the journey of beginning your brand which is called Pippin Henry? So it was a slow burn actually. I um I'd always wanted to do something of my own. You know, my family is quite entrepreneurial. I grew up with a, a dad who ran his own business. I kind of saw him do that through my entire childhood. Uh, and it always felt really unique. And I was always really proud of that. Ooh, my fa- father has his own factory. You know, it wasn't like a corporate job. And I always kind of wanted to do that. Um, and so I did many things through my corporate life. You know, I, I once, uh, I ran a supper club. I ran a small, I tried to launch a small 
safety device for women that would set off an alarm if they were feeling uncomfortable. You know, so I've always done small things alongside the corporal. And I'm also quite sustainably minded in my in my own life. And I was starting to look at uh, building a business around sustainable household products, actually, at the time. And so I was doing things like silicone glasses as a replacement for plastic cups and stuff like that. Um, and as I was trying to figure out you know, which products to, to get into. I was doing the rounds of the trade shows and, and doing a bit of research into materials and discovering all these amazing things out there. Uh, and at the same time, I had Vivana and I was getting more familiar with children's products. And, uh, you know, there are cotton T-shirts and dresses everywhere. So I kind of felt like the clothing space was quite saturated. But at the same time, I couldn't see anything in the footwear space. And as you rightly pointed out, shoes are outgrown by kids so quickly. Uh, I was aware of brands like Allbirds and Beja doing amazing stuff for adult footwear, but no one was doing the same thing for kids. And I also, you know, coming from India where you're just surrounded by color and just different patterns and designs. I just found the Clarks, you know, and Star Trek shoes, blue, black and brown, just so boring. <laughs> yeah, no no offense to Clarks or Star Right if they're listening, but why do they make them so boring? I feel like even if they just stripped it back a bit and made it simple, yes. they're just a bit meh, aren't yeah, they? <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's kids, you know, they're cute. They're so, so cute at, at that young age. And I would really want to play with that. Uh, and so I kind of brought those two together and uh, the seed for Pip and Henry was kind of sort of formed in my mind and I sort of built that proposition whilst I was still in in Barclays uh, to a point where I felt uh, like I w- it was in a mature enough space for me to quit and also you know by then just juggling as many things as a, a full-time job a, a child in nursery a, a side hustle I just knew I needed to to prioritize two out of three I couldn't do three out of three <laughs> So how old was Vivana when you set up Pip and Henry and what was that juggle like? Because I feel like often becoming, I mean, I think especially when you become a parent, you you think, oh, if I just had my own business, it would be a lot simpler. And in some ways it is, but in some ways you almost have to work harder because there is no, like, you know, the thought of a nine to five for me is like, I mean, it's not what I want anymore, but it's also like I'm envious of Tommy that he finishes his day and he doesn't think about work until the next day that he goes in, whereas like my mind is constantly on work. Exactly. I mean, entrepreneurship is definitely not for the faint-hearted. It's not as glamorous as sometimes the magazines make it sound. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hard, hard graft that goes into it. Late nights, sleepless nights, and you know, just doing things that you wouldn't expect a CEO to do. Uh, you know, doing the boring HR and legal stuff. Uh, I'm often unpacking boxes, running to the post office, shipping orders myself. So you know, it's not as it's not a glamorous thing. But um, yeah, to your point, you know, Vivana was at the time around three years old. I was finding a footwear, a shoe factory to do our orders and just as an example the day before I was meant to take my flight out to go and meet um, visit the factory she felt really really sick and was hospitalized (laughs) Uh, and so I had to push my trip out by three days uh, and I did that and you know she did come home and then my husband took time off work to be with her I felt massively guilty doing that and you know jetting off and uh, prioritizing my business at a time when my child was sick and then I came back faster than I uh, had initially planned just so I could be with her and I said I'll go again next month uh, and I'll take her with me but COVID hit <laughs> and so we couldn't go anywhere <laughs> uh, and so that's just an example of you know the kinds of things that you're sort of juggling as a parent you have business challenges but then you also have uh, personal challenges and you're just going to have to 
deal with them as they come up and sort of find find new ways and new paths through that journey. What what happened during COVID? Because obviously you wouldn't have been able to go do factory visits. So did you have to move it online or how did that work? Well, we hadn't launched by then, so we were still developing our product. Um, and in some ways, COVID was a, a blessing in disguise because whilst I was you know, getting to the point where I would have been ready to launch a product, I hadn't quite thought about the wider brands. So the recycling proposition, as an example, wasn't fully developed. I took that COVID break as a time to sort of think through what messaging I wanted to share with kids. Uh, and because, you know, Vivana was by that age, uh, two and a half, three years old, and I was starting to make up my own stories to get her excited about, you know, topics of interest that I wanted to, you know, get her thinking about, I started writing these stories around Pip and Henry. She had actually a stuffed dinosaur called Henry. <laughs> uh, and we often call her Pipri at home. And that's where Pip and Henry as a brand, uh, was, brand name was sort of formed. And so I took Pip and Henry on these adventures, you know, and taught them about why landfill was so bad. You know, what, what does landfill even mean? And why are bees so important? And uh, why do we not want to see plastic on the beach? And you know, things like that. And so that's where the content side of our business grew from. It was me just spending time with my daughter through lockdown, thinking about ways to get her more environmentally sensitive. Uh, and at the same time, thinking about what I wanted to do with, as a brand. Did I just want to be a footwear brand or actually did I want to have uh, leave more of a legacy of mindfulness around nature and and the environment for children. So in some ways, COVID was a blessing. I didn't think so at the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, uh, in, in the long run, I do look back at it as, as, a, as a sort of really lucky break. So I was looking at some of the, the research that you shared around um, children's shoes and it was saying, I mean, I feel this very hard because I feel like every time I go to Clark's or wherever it might be, you spend a small fortune on on a pair of shoes and then a few months later you're trying to put them on and you're like has he grown out of them already but you're saying kids outgrow shoes every three to four months in the early years and the majority of those end up in landfill so that's roughly 60 million pairs of children's shoes in a landfill every year in the UK alone and then interestingly you said that lots of them are made from harmful chemicals and toxins that obviously leak into the ground and water for thousands of years so Firstly, what should we do with all the old shoes? And secondly, um, what was Pippin Henry's kind of like sustainability messaging and how did you figure that out, obviously, throughout COVID? Sure. We as parents really want to do the best for our kids and we are all trying to do it in our own way. So I suppose the first thing to say is to not uh, not be guilty about what you're making them wear or eat or, uh, you know, or listen to because... Uh, there's just so many things we can do. And I suppose there's there's only uh, that much information and that many changes you can make. But uh, for me personally, I was just really grappling with the sheer volume of stuff that was coming into my home. We were buying things for her because she was our first child and we were just so excited and you know, it's such a cute age. Uh, people were gifting us stuff, you know, grandparents and, and aunts and uncles are constantly pampering them. Um, and often I would throw out stuff where you know, the labels were still on the clothes and she'd, I'd save them for a special occasion and the special occasion hadn't come by the time she'd, you know, grown out of them. And so that's kind of what triggered my journey down the path of Pip and Henry. And the thing that resonated with me most was you can do the most value for the for the planet in reusing and extending the life of, of a product versus buying something that is sustainably um made or or you know chemically free etc so the first thing i would do is actually try and use the shoes for as long as possible and that would be your, your the biggest thing you could do buying shoes secondhand 
is actually not not something that you should worry about. Uh, lots of parents think that actually making their children wear shoes worn by another child could affect their foot development and things like that. That absolutely isn't true. If you're really worried about hygiene, change out the insole. Uh, but the shoe in itself is pretty much uh, sturdy enough to take use for at least a year, if not a couple of years. And so uh, given every child actually outgrows a shoe every three to four months of their lives, you really shouldn't worry about wearing secondhand shoes or hand-me-downs, things like that. Uh, and then the next thing to look at is what the shoes are made of. Uh, often they're made out of lots of plastic, lots of chemically processed materials. So even leather, which actually in itself isn't isn't a bad material, it can just be tanned in a very chemically intensive way. So we try and make sure any leathers we source uh, have been certified by a leather working group as a leather that hasn't been tanned in, in as chemically intensive a way as, as regular ones. Uh, we try and use things like factory offcuts, so wasted material that other brands buy in excess um, that they leave behind the factories. We try and reuse them. Uh, we use things like cotton, organic cotton. Uh, and then we also use things like pineapple leaf fibers, you know, so materials made out of uh, bio waste. Um, so in this case, the waste did leaves from a pineapple field, which actually is very breathable. It's, it's not as chemically intensive in its tanning process and making process as others. Um, and actually, it's very uh, soft and breathable and good for kids' kids uh, skin. And so we use materials like that as well. Uh, and that's the kind of sustainable ethos that we have within a brand. And then finally, you do have the recycling sites. So what do you do with shoes once you've out, they've out, been outgrown? Often parents end up throwing them in the bin. <laughs> uh, or even if you donate them to a charity shop, charity shops bin them because they just don't aren't able to process the sheer, sheer volume of shoes that they end up getting. And often, you know, when they are donated, pairs aren't placed together. So actually charity shoes can't sell, sell them on as a pair. So shoes, unfortunately, today, only about 10 to 15% of them are actually recycled. And recycling options are quite limited. So they are crushed and made into things like playground foam and insulation. So they actually downcycled rather than recycled. And we actually as a brand are investing quite heavily into the design of shoes. Uh, and we hope to be actually be able to evolve the way in which shoes are made so that they can be used for a longer period by children and actually can then at the end of their lives be, be recycled more effectively. But that's yet to come. Because you have a Pippin Henry recycling scheme, I've seen. So if you send your old shoes, then you get £10 off your next Pippin Henry order. So what do you then do with those old shoes? So we've partnered with a recycling group called First Mile. And First Mile are the ones who take those shoes, grind them down, and create things like playground foam and insulation. So we could actually take in any brand's shoes, not just Pippin Henry. It doesn't matter who's made the shoes and what material they've been made of. Because of the way in which shoes are made and constructed, they're glued and stitched and laminated together. And often sneakers can have as many as 30 to 50 different components in them. Um, and so recycling options are quite limited, but they still exist and it's still a better option than throwing it in the bin and, and having those shoes end up in landfill. This advert is organised and funded by Sanofi's Together Against RSV Disease Awareness Campaign and is for UK residents only. Now I want to take a moment to raise awareness of a respiratory illness called respiratory syncytial virus, which is a common and contagious illness in children. RSV causes infection in the lower part of the respiratory system in infants. These are known as lower respiratory tract infections. RSV infection can cause respiratory illnesses such as bronchiolitis, pneumonia and croup. 
Most RSV illnesses in babies are mild and clear up on their own. However, some cases can be more serious and require hospital care. RSV is a leading cause of lower respiratory tract infections and hospitalisation in children worldwide, affecting 90% of infants by their second birthday. As parents, it's important for us to have the information we need to better understand RSV, what can be done to prevent infection and how to spot the signs and symptoms of RSV-related illness. To help support parents in protecting their children against RSV, Sanofi has launched the Together Against RSV campaign and their website, togetheragainstrsv.com, provides accurate information, resources and helpful advice about infant RSV. So go to www.togetheragainstrsv.com to learn more about RSV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Tally and I'm getting married in 2024, but I don't want to get sucked into feeling like I have to change everything about myself in the lead up to the big day. As soon as I got engaged, I felt like there was this extra pressure to change my body and try to look perfect. So I wanted to create the Anti-Diet Bride podcast to talk about it, because shouldn't your wedding be about celebrating your marriage and not about the size of your waist? So join me chatting to fellow brides, wedding industry experts, and even my fiance as we navigate this roller coaster planning process. Come and join the bridal party. Listen on the first Wednesday of every month on the Train Happy podcast feed, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts from. How does it work at being like, you know, an owner of a sustainable brand? Because Obviously, the messaging is you don't need lots and recycle and use secondhand. But then because we live in a capitalist world, you also want your business to succeed and you also want people to buy your products. So how do you sort of balance that sustainability with the need for people purchasing and profiting? 
I mean, we are human beings. We are driven by consumerist uh, desires. And actually, the world has kind of trained us to think in that way. Um, and so all we're trying to do is to help parents see an alternative. Um, and that alternative could be either better design products made in a better way, or better recycled products, or just products that can be used for longer. And so there's just so many options available. And you can pick and choose uh, the option that works for you in your lifestyle and your your kind of way of living while still making some sort of difference. And that's that's essentially what we're trying to promote. So there's no perfect way to be mindful. There's no perfect way to be sustainable. I'm sure I'm guilty of many, many, many unsustainable acts and behaviors, which, you know, lots of people could, could pull, up, pull me up for. So I think rather than put pressure on ourselves to try and be perfect, if we can just make one change in our lives, that change in itself could be so, so impactful. And therefore, um, you know, I don't want to put people off by thinking sustainability is only something that either the rich who have lots of money to to pay for sustainable products can can double in or that only, you know, hemp wearing hippies <laughs> uh, can actually uh, get some some joy from. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of guilt around it, isn't there? Like I always think like oh I should be doing more I should be doing more and of course I feel like we should all be doing more but even doing like basic little things that I always say like even if we just take our own carrier bags to the supermarket that's one less plastic bag and that all those little things make a big difference don't they exactly I mean I met a friend for lunch uh, the other day and she said oh you know I always have a Tupperware box in my bag because I no longer want to take plastic takeaway boxes from restaurants when I waste food. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's such a simple thing. I've never thought of doing that. I always, you know, get my my food packed away in, in plastic takeaway boxes. And so, you know, it, it is just those simple, simple acts that you can bring into your life in a way that's quite easy and works for you. One thing I'd love to talk to you about, especially as a mum to a daughter, is your campaign called Love Your Soul about getting kids to be body confident from a young age. So why is this something, well, firstly, can you tell me a bit more about the campaign, but also why is it important to you? We were thinking about ways in which to engage uh, our community over the Valentine's Day period. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about love um, and romantic love, but actually for children, it's all about loving themselves, uh, loving the environment they're in, being active in that environment that they're in. And so we sort of said, let's have a play on love your soul <laughs> uh, because shoes obviously have souls and we, we're going to do a little bit of an education piece around uh, good footwear. But at the same time, you know, what else would we like our kids to sort of be nudged towards uh, just just mental health and, and awareness around uh, the importance of that? Also, just physical exercise. You know, kids these days are so wrapped up on their computers and things like that. You know, the importance of going outside, taking a walk, pulling at grass, getting that sensory experience from nature and the importance of that. Um, you know, and then we also, we're also going to be collaborating with a couple of brands and talking about food and, and you know, that sort of side of things, what they ingest. Uh, and so we were just saying, you know, just having a little, little bit of a, a fun time thinking through the various ways in which we could engage kids in a fun way to get them to think about how they can enrich their own lives. So cute. I always think, because obviously I'm having a daughter, that there's lots of talk about, you know, we none of us want our daughters to sort of grow up in this like body shaming, diet culture, unrealistic beauty standard world. But like for me, I think it's equally as important for Alfie, for our sons as well, so that they grow up knowing that women don't have to look or be a certain way. And um, I mean, obviously, boys are also increasingly being body shamed, you know, the rise of that sort 
sort of like Love Island body type. I think there's lots of pressure on um, young boys as well to have a certain body type these days as well. So absolutely something that I'm thinking about a lot. Do you, I mean, how do you address it? Because um, Vivana's six now, isn't she? Have you noticed that, you know, being at school, she adopts any sort of thing she, other than loving herself? She is six. And so she's starting to become body aware. It's quite interesting, actually. So she's quite a tomboy. She's very sporty and she loves being outdoors and things like that. And as a child, she's loved uh, actually hanging out with boys more than girls because they're, they're, they're a bit more physically interactive than, than girls typically are. And when she, when she first started school, you know, she was a bit dismissive of uh, the, the girls who wanted to have princess parties and stuff like that. But of late, her language has started changing. And she actually told me the other day, I don't want to play with that with them because they're boys. And boys are silly. <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, so I can see how certain messages are being shared in school and that kind of uh, impacts, you know, what they what they, their preferences are. And I sort of had a conversation with her about it. And, uh, you know, we use a lot of storybooks and things like that to help us guide through some of these, these conversations. So, you know, things around body color, you know, we're Asian, so we have brown skin. Uh, that's something she's very conscious of, you know, starting to be more aware of, not in a negative way yet. Uh, and I'm trying my best to not not let it ever become that. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be body fat issues and things like that to grapple with as she gets older. But at, th at this stage, I think she's still much more malleable and willing to listen to an alternative. And I'm hoping it stays that way for as long a period as possible. <laughs> yeah, I feel like once they go into school, it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Because you kind of can't really control all the messaging. Exactly. We hear a lot at the moment about, you know, the, the climate and the environment. How can even Princess Eugenie came out the other day, didn't she, saying that she's trying to make um, her child. I can't remember if it's a boy or a girl. I know that she's just announced having another baby as well, but she's trying to make them very cl climate conscious. How can you do it? Because I grew up in a world that, I mean, I don't think there was even recycling when I grew up. You know, there was no talk about the environment. And then I feel like um, the sort of what we just refer to as Gen Z or terrified of climate change and probably rightly so but how do we convey the messaging especially to children in a age-appropriate way that isn't going to absolutely terrify them but also can make them aware especially if we're not the best examples ourselves yeah absolutely i think that's quite a quite an interesting sort of conundrum you know they're surrounded now by climate change activism uh you know in school for example uh there are big boards um in in the drive-through um space for parents saying turn off your engines you know there's a lot of focus on recycling I often have my daughter say oh mommy you put that in the wrong bin uh, and correcting me and things like that so they are getting uh, quite conscious of of those messages even if at this young age they're unable to kind of grapple with the magnitude of of the problem but I, I really find storytelling to be a really powerful tool for these young kids and that's why I started writing Pip and Henry books but you know there's tons of other books out there that have that environmental message to them. You know, there's stories from David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg, and, you know, you can have uh, documentaries that kind of explain that a little bit better. You have, you know, the, the Great Women series. There's a Great Women Who Saved the Planet uh, sort of series. There's, you know, a bunch of different books out there that you can actually 
bring to kids. I think there was um, Sarah Roberts did a really cute book about um, Stanley, a plastic bag lost in the ocean. So there's just lots of fun, fun bits of content out there to engage young kids, which I feel is a lighter more sensitive way to to really bring to the front for for, for them uh, some of these topics that can be actually quite hard to understand and you know I, I don't want them to feel so overwhelmed that they then don't want to engage with that topic in its entirety and so yeah finding light-hearted ways to bring that discussion uh, to light would be quite useful I think for kids yeah I can see there's a Pip and Henry book called Save the Beach which yes. I like <laughs> So yes, cute. That's a and work. I suppose that's a fun way to do it as well. well obviously, it would, you'd need to be by a sea, but even like going down the sea and collecting like all the waste and stuff, it's actually something that kids quite enjoy doing. You can make it like a treasure hunt, but then sort of explaining exactly. in a fun way. Exactly. So it's just bringing to life some of, some of the everyday adventures. You know, every kid has had a beach holiday uh, and knows what the sea looks like and has played with those shells uh, and has probably also seen a plastic bag in the sand. <laughs> so uh, it's just bringing those those bits, uh, you know, sort of reminding them of those occasions and uh, helping them see that they could play a role in that in that space, even at that young and tender age. Uh, and that's what we try and do. I feel like you've definitely given me food for thought for myself, but also um, I love the footwear. So congratulations on actually leaving the corporate world. And I'm sure it's still a massive juggle, but yeah, you've got beautiful products and obviously lovely messaging as well. I've got my eye on the dinosaur sneakers. <laughs> yeah, they're very popular. The dinosaurs are massively popular for the they're three really to four years. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to um Pippin Henry's website below as well so you can check out all the footwear and all the um amazing like the sustainability project and learn more about Pippin Henry. Um but yeah thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat about sustainability and your own journey with motherhood as well. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, I love chatting to Jeru. I feel like sustainability is something I find so overwhelming. I almost shy away from it. Although, because my sister gave birth four months after me, my nephew Jasper has inherited literally everything of Alf's. And then everything went to my friend Jazz and her baby Coco. And so I've just got loads of the newborn and the the naught to three and three to six months stuff back. So that's another reason that I feel overwhelmed because obviously I've got some new bits for baby girl. I've got all the bits of my hospital bag, but I need to go through. I've just got bags and bags of clothes of various ages that are mixed up. So after speaking to Drew, I feel inspired that I'm going to go through what I want, uh, what is no longer usable and what I could potentially give to charity. So yes, that has given me some motivation for the week. Um, I do want to read out an email this week. Uh, I'm going to read an email from Ginny because it's very topical to what we've been talking about. So she said, hey, Ashley, I don't know if this is the right message to send, but I love the podcast and I was wondering if you had any advice for me thank you by the way um, I'm looking to make a move in my career as the juggle's starting to really burn me out. I'm a mom of two twins, age three. I would love to have more children and the maternity time and pay is a big reason why I'm staying at the moment. Is there any advice you have for me, either with tips to balance the juggle or whether it'd be worth me making the next step into my career now? Super hard question. So sorry. Love the podcast. You're helping so many new parents out there. Love Ginny. So firstly, thank you for the loveliness secondly you are a superhero for having twins my my friends that have had twins it's just i don't know how you do it i always say i wanted twins um 
but yeah, it must be such a hard juggle. So I think it's obviously really difficult to answer this because it's so personal. Um, I think with being self-employed like I am, there's obviously some amazing pros and there's also some amazing cons like for example I'm always quite envious of my friends who get maternity leave because they literally can just switch off get paid have that stability obviously it comes with its challenges as well um so I would say it really depends on what you want to do and how much you need that pay, how much you feel like your maternity leave um, will be like beneficial for you. Because let's say you did take the plunge. I don't know what it is you're planning to go on to do, but you will have to presumably grind pretty hard, especially at the beginning. I mean, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm a bit more comfortable now, but it's taken 10 years (laughs) of grinding but I still don't feel like I can switch off or take time off like my mind is always ticking even when we went on holiday you know I'm envious that Tommy can put an out of office on whereas I'm still kind of working away and I worry that if I'm not working then someone else will take my place and get my jobs (laughs) so it's a really difficult one to answer hopefully um Jeru's journey gave you insight but maybe inspired by her you could consider what it is that you want to do and kind of start the side hustle and see how you go if you haven't listened to my podcast episode with sarah miller that could be quite a good one to listen to as well as she talked a lot about her journey kind of becoming an entrepreneur and things for her seem to happen very quickly so this is probably not very helpful and if anyone else has any tips then please please message in but i would say um Think about yeah, what what is important to you, and will you miss not having that security and that maternity leave if you if you did leave, and would you be able to start it as a sort of side hustle now and see where things go? Um, hopefully, that is relatively helpful. With my DJ career, I started just I did some DJ lessons and then started um, DJing for free in in the pub in exchange for free drinks. And then literally on the first one I did, somebody was like, hey, have you got a card? I'd love to book you to DJ. And it went from there and kind of like spiraled really quickly. So I always think you've got to start the side hustle or the hobby to be able to see where it goes. So good luck with whatever you decide. And um, thank you all of you for listening to Mums the Word, the parenting podcast. Um, If you enjoyed the episode, then make sure you subscribe, follow so you don't miss another one. And as always, I love to hear from you like with Ginny. Hopefully I'll be able to give some slightly better advice. Um, You can get in touch either on WhatsApp where you can send a voice message. It's free. You can even do it anonymously if you want. The number is 075999 or you can email me at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com or if you listen on Apple, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very easy to find those and obviously helps other people find the podcast as well, especially if it's a five star. Um, And I'll be back with another episode, same time, same place next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
only from Rustolium. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.